All right, welcome back, beautiful people. Uh, again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. And thank you so much for listening to us. We're so thankful for your time, and hopefully you're learning something good. I think today is going to be a fun one, uh, as it was recently National Lip Appreciation Day, which uh, is hilarious to me, but it's an, uh, yet another what does that uh, holiday here. <laughs> does that mean that you should appreciate people's lips no matter what they look like? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, the good part is we can uh, alter lips using multiple different techniques. And I thought today what we do is really kind of break down the options that are out there, how to do it right, what can go wrong, and definitely what to avoid. Uh, and, and the idea is we want to keep your lips looking natural and youthful. Now, sometimes people just aren't born with lips. And so, you know, that this is where we will give options. Um, you know, obviously, both you and I, are, we appreciate the, the natural look. And, um, you know, so we'll kind of give some guidelines as far as what the upper lip should look like, what the lower lip should look like, and the ratio between the two and things like that. So obviously a lot of that has been skewed over the years Mm -hmm. because if you watch The Simpsons, uh, Marge has an incredibly um, large upper lip. It should not be that way. Again, we'll go over and we'll set your expectations. So wherever you are in the country or the world and you want to change the appearance of your lips or enhance the appearance of your lips, you understand what you're getting yourself involved with because it's not, some of it is not as easy as it sounds and some of it's really simple. So we'll go over a lot of different options on what you can do to get that little pouty pop to your lips um, and we'll go from there. I want to preface the entire episode by saying that the lips are extremely complex Anytime there's something on the body that is very complex, there are so many things that can go wrong. You have to imagine, sometimes things look good in static repose, like when you're not making an expression. But remember, you have to move and smile and uh, talk. And uh, sometimes adding some filler or things like that that we'll, we'll talk about can look different when you're just taking a regular head-on photo than it is to you talking to your husband or wife or significant other. So um, the idea is we want the every your lips to look as uh, natural as they possibly can and make them look as shapely and as youthful as they can. So, you know, maybe why don't you start off with some things that make the periorbital region around the mouth look worse as time progresses. And then we'll talk about some of the things that we can move to, to, to Absolutely. Treat. You know, and it's interesting because most of the people we see or that you hear about in, in the news, Kylie Jenner, or, or, and they're younger and, mm-hmm. they're, and they're plumping their lips. But we see people f- from the age of 18 up to 75 that come in. And the ones that are older have different complaints than the ones that are younger. Mm-hmm. Um, older people come in and they say, they don't necessarily say that, oh my God, make my plump lips that are already plump plumper. Number one, you lose volume in the lips, just like you lose volume everywhere else as we age. The second thing is we do um, develop uh, perioral rhytids, which are really just wrinkles around your mouth. Now, for years, they've been called smoker lines. Now, do people get smoker lines without smoking? Yes, they do. Um, and it's just from pursing your lips. You you can really like 
drinking from a straw. You um, you can be a smoker. You were in the past. And just the act of pursing your lips over and over and over again can cause these just really tough lines to treat later in life. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you really should be really cognizant about is, hey, if, if you smoke, come on, it's enough. <laughs> That's the thing of the past. Um, if you're drinking out of the straw all the time, I'd probably say, listen, try to not, because what happens is the more you purse, the more it can do that. Heavy sun exposure, um, you know, a lot of alcohol, just a, just an unhealthy lifestyle, just like it can cause a lot of wrinkles on your face and it can cause sun, you know, significant damage to your skin around your body. It can really do it around your lips as well. Um, and the lips, you know, when I talk about lips, I also talk about the filter columns, the whole, the whole area that makes that, that beautiful, you know, central part of your face, which is really just around the mouth. Yeah, so maybe we'll throw out the anatomy first, just so everybody's on the same page. And what you had alluded to earlier was the filter column. So let's say we're going to start from top down. So at the base of the nose to the top of the lip, there are two little... Uh, peaks and troughs. There's two little lines. That is called the filtral columns, and inside is called the filtral dimple. Now, obviously, shorter looks more youthful. Um, and so those lines end on what's called Cupid's bow. Now, there is a vermilion border, which is an extremely important uh, uh, part of the anatomy of the lip, which means you cut through it you're going to see it, and even, especially if it's not lined up properly. Then we look at the uh, red portion of the lip, and there's a wet and dry portion of that, and at the bottom lip. And so and if we look at the ratio, the, for, you know, and this is taken from data, what tends to look the most natural and youthful, the ratio is that the upper lip should be 40% and the bottom should be 60%. Now, I know recently, uh, you know, there is, the, in the last decade, we've gone 50-50 or, or even more, and it started to get ridiculous. Now, there's a big trend to try to look more natural, and things are being removed. So, as far as hitting the right ratio, we're looking at 40% upper lip, 60% bottom lip. So, let's say... Uh, I'm going to run some scenarios by you. I've got an 18-year-old that comes in uh, and has a picture of, you know, some Instagram influencer and says, all right, I want my lips to look like this. Now, she has thinner lips, but still has a youthful, crisp Cupid's bow. What what would you, you know, what are some of the options to start out with, especially at age 18? I'll tell you, a very, very good scenario because this happens and Every doctor, every every practitioner, because you know it's not just plastic surgeons or dermatologists that are doing this. They're nurses that are that are doing this. They're they're dentists. They're they're people that are doing this. That um, all all around the country. So I'll tell you how we take. You know, we we go about this. If an eighteen year old girl came in, number one, brought me a picture. That's a big red flag. Don't bring a picture of a, a set of lips and say I want my lips to look like this because everyone's lips 
have a different shape. And it's very difficult to make your lips look like someone else's. It really, really is. And, and, and people have to understand that. And just by putting filler in someone's face, it's just like a breast augmentation. Somebody comes to me and let's say they have very conical breasts or very tuberous breasts. I can't make them look like Emily Rajakowski's. Mm. It's impossible. Um, it just, it's, there are certain limitations. That's the first thing. Second thing is you have to set expectations for people and, and make people understand that you know, putting filler in someone's lips is there's consequences to it. And, and, you know, once you do it, it, you may continually kind of get hooked on it. And at 18, I personally would hold back and say, why don't we try something a little non-invasive, even though this is a non-invasive procedure with just a needle, even not with an injection. And I, I think personally, these lip plumpers that are on the market are great. Mm -hmm. Um, If they weren't great, Kylie Jenner wouldn't have one Um, because it's a great way to give that extra pop. Let's say it's a 10%, 15%, 20% difference in your lips after you put this this lip plumper on. And I think it looks phenomenal. And Mm -hmm. you can really use it um, as a, a substitute for your lip liner, for your lip gloss, for your, for your, for your, lipstick. Um, and not only will it give you that that shine and glow, but at the same time, it can give you a little bit of a pop. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will say, no, it doesn't work. And then they try and they say, wow, it's excellent. Definitely. Great way to ease yourself into the, 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 the lip world of getting yourself bigger without making yourself look like you've had a ton done. Yep. I agree. I think, you know, it's interesting as plastic surgeons, we learn about the reconstructive ladder. We go from least invasive to most invasive because it always makes sense. And believe it or not, when it comes to aesthetics and looking young, less is more um, to to an appropriate level. And then you have to move to the next rung of the ladder. So for us, I mean, starting with a topical then moving our way upward only makes sense. So I agree with you. I mean, listen, for, uh, you know, not necessarily our brand, but our brand is great. I mean, we have a Beverly Hills MD lip plumper uh, that has multiple shades, or you can have it, uh, you know, clear. Um, you know, One of our first had, products ever. Yeah, we've got great feedback. And uh, it, um, you know, essentially causes the lips to engorge just a little bit. So if you can add another millimeter or so, sometimes it adds a little rosier color to the lips just because of that increase in blood flow, um, that can make something look better. Absolutely. And, you know, but in all reality, most people come to us and they'll say, all right, listen, by the time I get to a plastic surgeon, um, maybe I've already tried a limb plumper if they have it. So, so, uh, we talk about what's what's next. What's what's kind of the next rung of the ladder? What's next and what's been really popular lately is the Botox lip flip. Mm-hmm. And it really, when I tell you so popular, we're getting it from, from, from the 20-somethings to the 70-somethings that come in. They're like, I heard about this. Can you do it for me? Um, and it's really easy. It's really subtle. And also can actually help with a gummy smile as well. So it's kind of a two-for-one special if you do have that. Um, and it really helps just give you that extra pout for your upper lip um, by using anywhere between two and four units of Botox on each side, right around the filter columns. 
it's a tiny little injection um, and it works really nicely, kind of kicks in about 10 days and works for about three months. And it doesn't look like you've had filler because sometimes it's so obvious that you've had filler that it looks a little fake. Yeah, I think, you know, to take a step back, the goal of this procedure using Botox and, and, and really all of these, um, again, one thing I, I left out when we talk about the youthful looking lips is that you want just a little bit of tooth show, especially on the upper, you know, when you're, it just gives a powdier look. You have a little bit of tooth show just under the upper lip. And as we age, the filter columns lengthen. And so you lose the ability to see the upper lip. And that's why as we age, we start getting into more of the aggressive procedures. But for the lip flip, the idea is we have a very broad muscle all the way around the mouth, meaning it's very wide. And if I can knock out or essentially paralyze or weaken the muscle that's right at the top of the, the cupid's bow, well, then the muscle, the portion of the muscle above it's going to pull it up. And so what you will do is you'll rotate the upper lip and that gives you that little bit of tooth show or an increase in tooth show. And it also looks like it's shortening the filtral column. And so that alone, again, I agree with you. I think it's a, an amazing start. Usually when patients you know, of all ages come in, I'll say, why don't we start this first? Um, you know, unless they have no lip and then we realize we have to do multiple things. You know, and the, and the other nice thing about using Botox in the upper lip um, is that it can help with those perioral rhytids, those, those little lines that, that people have. If they're not too deep, number one, it can prevent them from getting deeper. If done properly, very precisely in very small amounts, it is a brilliant way to relax that muscle so it doesn't cause as deep of a wrinkle every time you purse your lips. Mm -hmm. And if you continually do this, when you get Botox, just have your practitioner put a tiny little bit in there. It is a great way to prevent those lines from getting worse. Now, remember, the one thing you do feel after this is you may feel like you're drooling on yourself or you can't purse your lips. You still can. And that gets better over the first couple of weeks and it does improve. Now, people ask, well, why should I get a lip lift versus filler? And there are a lot of big pros and cons. Now, the, the pros are, number one, it's it's much less expensive. It's much less invasive in the sense that very, very rarely will you get a bruise from from a tiny Botox injection for, for a lip flip. The cons are it lasts um, a shorter time and it doesn't volumize the lips. So it doesn't make your lips any bigger, but it's a great way. And sometimes we even do it together. We'll put filler in it and do a lip lift because sure. it looks really pretty. So it's a, it's a good way to kind of think about, hey, Maybe that's my first step into this into this world of, of, of lip enhancement, and then I'll take it from there. Yep. So, and, and one thing to to be aware of, usually, as you were saying, the, the strange sensations, it'll say, uh, if you're trying to drink out of a straw for the first two weeks, it may be a little difficult, but the idea is we're trying to keep you away from that straw anyway, so it kind of works out. This is Dr. John Lakey at Forever Young. Hope you're enjoying the show. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. We've been through topicals. We went through Botox and the lip flip. Now, uh, let's say we've got a 30-year-old, 35-year-old patient that comes in 
um, you know, has still has a relatively crisp Cupid's bow, or maybe doesn't, but uh, doesn't have the volume. And you've tried the lip flip; it worked a little bit, but they they still want a little bit of volume. Where where would you go? So uh, then we talk about filler, um, and filler in the lips should be always a hyaluronic acid filler. So whatever type of filler you like to use, whether it's a Restylane, it's a Juvederm, it's a, it's a Versa, it's, it, there's so many different ones out there. Um, make sure it's, it's, it's a relatively smooth um, and not a volume, a, a, very, a very heavy molecule like a Voluma, because that's something you want to put in your cheeks and other areas. I per- personally don't like putting that in the lips. So hyaluronic acid filler, and my tendency, at least the way I was taught, and I think you're very similar to that, is less is more. You can always add more. You can also remove it, but it becomes tedious for, for you. Um, you have to keep coming back to the, to the office and getting filler taken out. Um, I would go slow and steady, try to put little bits in, and if you have to do it in multiple sessions, I think you'll have better results. Um, and again, Concentrate on doing one-third, two-third, or 40%, 60% upper lip, lower lip. Um, I personally love injecting the Cupid's bow. I think it, it gives you a little more definition. I always think about trying to make your lips look like a baby's or uh, somebody very young because they have a very crisp Cupid's bow, very crisp uh, filter columns. And put a little bit in, in the vermilion border, but not too much because you don't want to get that shelf. The key to having a natural result to lips is not having a shelf, that Marge Simpson. Um, the interesting part is, and again, there, there's, there's some things that we don't necessarily like. And one of them is, like I said, don't bring a picture and say, make me look like Angelina Jolie. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the best version of your own lips. Yes. Understand that over time, your lips will look better and better and better if you build slowly. Mm-hmm. Foundation, every three to six months, every year, put a little bit more. Don't put two syringes of filler in your lips right away. It will not look very good. Understand that the hyaluronic acid filler brings water in. So under-injecting is always better than over-injecting because your your lips will get bigger over time due to the fact that, that this molecule loves water. And then the last, you know, the, one of the last things is understand that you may get bruised, you may be swollen, you may be really black and blue, because we're putting needles in your lips. Remember mm-hmm. that. A lot of people come in here and they're like, oh my God, I look like I got beaten up. Well, obviously we don't want you to get bruised and probably the, a very small percentage does get bruised, but there are possible complications. There's also possible vascular occlusion complications. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, Again, going back to the, uh, the uh, comment that I made in the beginning is that the lips are extremely complex. So there's a certain pocket that we would place the filler into. Absolutely. And there are so many different techniques, um, you know, from placing it laterally from the side, putting it vertically as little pillars. Um, but the idea is there are blood vessels running through the lip, one main one. And, you and know, when we look at <laughs> yeah, superior and inferior labial arteries and tiny little branches off of those. So, and you're doing this blindly. We cannot see through your lips. So the idea is every now and then, you know, uh, you if you inject and happen to cannulate inside one of those arteries, we run into a problem. 
Now, it's very rare, but at the same time, I've had it happen before. Uh, you know, it's it's very scary. Uh, had it happen to my own wife, of course. And, um, you know, you can immediately see uh, a white, it, it essentially arborizes. It looks like a little white branch with all, like a tree that occurs leading up to the nose. And it, she developed tiny little sores along those areas. Thank goodness we treated it in time, which immediately you treat with hyaluronidase to help break it down. Um, and you can put uh, nitro paste and things like that to open up those arteries and make them bigger. But, uh, you know, again, you put a viscous gel through an artery and uh, end, end scenario is not going to, to be good. So you can have tissue death, uh, black lips and things like that. So don't think when you come in and say, oh, look, I like my lips, but I want a little more. Don't think that, uh, you know, there aren't any complications that can happen. There easily can. Now, we try to reduce those complications using particular techniques. But again, not everybody's artery is in the same place. Uh, you know, and not every branch is as small as we think it's going to be. And that's why some people bruise with Botox and some people don't. So, uh, just be prepared. We just were, we're trying to educate you to know what you are doing. Um, and so, you know, talking about that filler, I agree with you. I think the best way is, especially if someone has thin, sparse lips, that you would build on that. And Absolutely. so, you know. Uh, um, and understand that when you, when you get this done, I mean, don't go get your filler done um, two days before you're going to a wedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guys, this is, it, it's really important to understand. Just because your friend had it done and didn't get bruised, you may get bruised and it may be really bad. Mm -hmm. So understand that when you get, it was perfect when people had masks on all the time because it didn't matter. But masks are coming off and, 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 and you're seeing everyone else's face. So it's one of those things there that I would, you know, number one, don't drink before you do it. Don't be on any type of blood thinner, Advil, aspirin, um, or blood thinners. These things, you know, again, you're putting needles inside of a very vascular area, and you're and you're blowing it up. So take some arnica. Take you some know, arnica a couple of days before that'll help with bruising and swelling. You know, try to do everything you can to prepare, uh, you know, your body to undergo this procedure. And then after, understand that. Imagine we're putting a gel into a area like Dr. Lakey just said blindly. And you know, for people who have a lot of, of experience doing this and and we do and and hopefully the person you go to does, they understand and they'll talk to you about the fact that, that there needs to be gentle massage in the area because this viscous gel can clump up. It doesn't always, but it can. And if you massage it gently, it will flatten out. Um little massage and a little ice after aftercare is very simple and you're on your way. Most people I tell about two weeks, maybe about a week and a half, and you'll see your final results. The swelling will go down and it will be smaller than it was when we, than we first injected, even though there'll be some water that comes into the area. Um, and then you basically are good to go. If you hate it, the good thing is you can take it all out. Mm -hmm, that's and that's the beauty of a hyaluronic acid filler. We have an anecdote for it. So if it doesn't look good or if it's not your look, or you know, I, I injected somebody, I think two weeks ago, and it looked great. She came back and she goes, okay, you got to take this out right away. My, um, I, my fiance hates it. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Mm -hmm. Took it out. And, and the, the beauty of the hyaluronidase is it works almost instantly. Mm -hmm. So within a day or two, it's all gone. And that's the really nice part about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you have to imagine, again, that's a circular muscle. So sometimes, you know, you put product in and then you talk. 
you eat, you laugh, and it pulls product to one side or the other. And that's where you can get lumpiness and things like that. So, um, and that's because some of the product was placed in, intramuscularly as opposed to into where the fat is. And when you're shaping a lip, the ideal is to place it into where the fat compartment is. Mm-hmm. But also you have to imagine you've got a vessel, a blood vessel that runs through there. So people try to cheat and come forward on the, just under the mucosa. That's when you can see the bubbling that occurs. Right, um, a little outpouching of the mucosa. That's, that's a nightmare. And but some of that is permanent. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you really stretch the skin. Uh, you know, we call it mechanical creep. And that's, um, you know, it's really hard to eliminate it without cutting it out. So, you know, our recommendation is start off slowly, Go to a reputable individual, you know. And if uh, they use a cannula, you can use a cannula. We don't. Um, we used to in the beginning, the lips look like sausages after a while. So it's yeah. kind of better to kind of strategically place it where you want to. Um, but, yeah, we, but, use, you know, we use cannulas in the face, in the but face. in the lips, it's really difficult. And, and, and just to kind of go up this, this, this ladder that we're talking about. So the topical solutions that we talked about, the lip plumpers, they work right away. They probably last for about an hour, maybe a half an hour, maybe two hours. The Botox lasts about three months. And filler, depending on the type of filler, I normally tell people six months to a year. Mm-hmm. No more than that. If you're a big talker, it'll probably be less <laughs> because again, filler will will go away the more we move muscles. So the bu- the interesting part is people are like, well, why does it last so much up in the cheek? Well, you don't move your cheek that much. I mean, really, I don't see too many people that, that you know, they, they can really move it. <laughs> um, but in the lips, it moves a lot faster. The other quick thing I want to say is you can also treat those, those lines around the lip, those perioral rhytids, with tiny, tiny little bits of filler. It's a little more of an advanced procedure in the sense that this needs to be done very methodically, very carefully, and not too much because then it'll look very lumpy. But if you put tiny little bits of filler in that area, it could fill those those lines out combined with Botox and look really nice. Definitely. So now let's say we're undergoing another procedure. Let's say you're undergoing liposuction, or um, or let's say you just you're you're done with fillers that only last six months on you, and you're looking for something that can last a little longer. What would you tell patients? Another option would be well, one of our favorite ways to volumize anything is fat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's your own fat, basically. So it's a little different than the fat, for example, that we put in the breast or the fat that we put in the butt, because we want it to be a little finer. We don't want any lumps or bumps. Um, so it, it's, it's a little bit thicker than what we put under the eyes, but a little bit, little bit finer than what we put in the breast. Basically take your fat, harvest it, wash it, and get good pure fat and inject that into the lips, similarly to how we inject it, just regular filler. Sure, um, except this way you would use a cannula. Absolutely. Um, just because the size. And uh, you can get a nice, smooth result. Generally, it's reserved for someone who's a little older. Absolutely. I do it for all my facelifts, uh, just to kind of plump the lips up a little bit. And we can get two to five years of, you know, that's the average, but some people, they may have some permanent effects. And so um, the idea is it's a little trickier to remove it. Mm-hmm. You can with some steroids and things like that, but um, you know, just be aware that there are some potential, you know, it's, it's very rare that whatever we put in, there's a hundred percent take. I mean, right. I've, I've never seen it, but, right. um, you know, usually it's half that in the lips just because they are mobile and you do eat, you do talk. And so, 
Um, but if you can get that little natural, we're refilling the fat that's been lost. Yeah, and I would like, like Doctor Lakey just said, I would, I would recommend it to the older individual who's having another procedure, or recommend it to somebody who's having an adjunct procedure with liposuction. Um, I wouldn't necessarily just do fat transfer to the lips by itself, um, but hey, listen, anything's possible. Sure. <laughs> We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you'd like more information about our practice, you can check out our Instagram. It's PlasticsDocs, P-L-A-S-T-I-X-D-O-C-S on Instagram for more information. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. So now um, this this next rung of the ladder, it's a, it's something that we uh, I think we've only done a few times. It was popular. This was when we first came out of residency, and uh, this is when you could put in essentially cadaver skin or some type of implant into the lip. Um, I've heard of all kinds mm-hmm. of different things where people are placing silicone and you know other types of potential implants. Um, those are disasters. So, you, you know, I, I don't really know anyone that's really doing this anymore because mm-hmm. I remember when we were training, um, there were a lot of complications. We'd remove them a lot. And imagine, you know, you know, you have these these the area outside your lips, which is called the oral commissures. And you can easily put a tiny little incision there and thread something into the lip. But imagine anything that we put is going to be like a, a just a long kind of cylindrical thing. It, it doesn't necessarily contour to this beautiful shape of a lip. Um, so lips looked very fake, very shelfy. Um, and there was no anecdote to it. So it was there forever. And what ended up happening is surgeons have to keep removing them over and over and over again. Which is a disaster in itself. I mean, again- Because it's integrated into your lips. Exactly. Lips are very complex. You have nerves, muscle. And now imagine I can remove the implant, but now you can't smile correctly or it's asymmetric. And that those are permanent uh, insults. And so- um, you know, I would, I, this is one option I definitely would not recommend. Um, you we know, used to actually take fascia, remember, mm-hmm. uh, you know, take a piece of connective tissue and stuff that into the lip. And this was 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And I'd be like, wow, this is really cool, but it looked horrible. Yep. And and you're like, why are we doing this? Just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. Yeah. And these are all real take-home messages for you guys. Just because someone's telling you you can do it, make sure it's something that's been done over and over again. It looks pretty good because sometimes fixing it is really hard. Yep, definitely. We need something with a good track record. And that's why I think if you're going to use some of your own portion of the body, fat would be it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I would stay away from any type of implant or anything like that because, uh, you know, the way it's even placed is relatively traumatic to pull that, you know, dermal implant through the lip. Um, you know, most of the time you either lead to permanent lumpiness or, uh, you know, it's very rare that it looked natural. Agreed. And before we jump to surgery, I just want to talk about one thing. These little lines that we have above and below our lips, and you're a facelift surgeon. You do a lot of facelifts, a lot of facial procedures. I've been to hundreds of conferences. One of the hardest areas to treat 
is deep lines around the mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that, you know, some of the the best of the best of the best, Baker, I mean, it's funny because in his, in his um, uh, lecture, he talked about the most old-fashioned way to fix it. There are a lot of different resurfacing procedures. What is the best thing to do? And I know that there's also another little trick we're going to talk about later. Um, but what do, you, what do you think the best way to get some of these really deep lines that have been formed over 40, 50 years from smoking and, and sun damage and things like that? You know, I'll, I'll tell you right now that one treatment of anything is likely not going to eliminate them. I mean, it's, it's, it would be very rare because um, the issues at play, it's not that you, you know, again, we can fix a portion of it, but you're going to still move your mouth. You're still going to talk, still going to eat. So it purses the lips. Um, so my go-to, you have to imagine, even a facelift only takes care of the laugh line lateral out to the cheek. Nothing does around the mouth. And so we have to add something like a resurfacing agent or some type of peel or something like that. My go-to tends to be a CO2 laser, fractionated CO2 laser, and uh, you can get amazing results. Um, some surgeons will use a chemical peel, such as a croton oil peel. Um, downtime is much more significant, but you can get some amazing results smoothing that area out. I think that combo treatments using little bits of Botox plus using the CO2 laser and maybe coming back to do either microneedling or microneedling with radiofrequency, anything to help stimulate collagen uh, can improve the quality around the mouth. I don't know that there's any one fix because it goes, you know, by the degree of severity, uh, the skin type, the amount of pigmentation where I would choose, you know, you have a little bit of an algorithm. For, so for darker skinned individuals, probably go with a chemical peel, lighter, but keep coming back multiple times. Someone who's fairer skinned, um, you know, you can blast it with, CO2 laser, um, croton oil can work for both, but uh, you know the downtime is is you know is significant, um, but it's worth the results. So um, you know you're right. That is a very important component of uh, you know the mouth and lips itself is the area around it. So keeping that smooth and will only accentuate the lips. Perfect. You know, and 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 I would like we talked about earlier. I would add Botox and, and, and other things um, to really give you as much of a multimodal approach to it so you can prevent those wrinkles from forming again and really improve the appearance of the ones that are already there. So now we'll work our way into the last category. And I, listen, I'm going to preface this part by saying I have an inherent bias. So please, I'm going to give you Uh, as much information as I can, and you can make the decision for yourself. But there are some things I'm going to have you look for uh, when it comes to this, and this is called an upper lip lift. It has uh, been extremely popular over the last several years. There are some surgeons that only do these, or the majority of their practice is these, and they're very good at what they do. Um, You know, so an upper lip lift is a surgical procedure where the filtral columns are longer. And what you do is you actually remove a strip of skin that's under the nose. 
uh, at the very top of the lip. And what this does is it rotates the entire lip up, pulls that area up, and it makes the filter column shorter. Um, you know, I have seen some good results. I have seen some natural results. Um, but in my opinion, and you can give yours as well, uh, the majority of these procedures always to me. Now, I have a much more discerning eye than the average person because it's my job. But to me, they always look a little unnatural. And I'll tell you why. So uh, usually the area beneath the nose and the nose, uh, upper aspect of the lip, can heal really well. A scar can be a nice fine line um, and it's, uh, it's barely visible. However, if you undergo this procedure and you do not have a good scar, it is absolutely awful. You'll have a pink line that is, you know, that's in the middle of your face, just under the nose, and you are committed to wearing makeup forever. Um, I generally reserve this procedure for, you know, the older individual that I'm doing a facelift on because, you know, at that point, the area of the upper lip, you have to imagine, um, as you get closer to Cupid's bow, the lip becomes thicker. And as you go upwards, it slowly grades, the gradation is smaller and thinner, right? So if I'm going to remove a strip and I'm putting thicker skin to thinner, it always looks a little strange. Now, in an elderly individual that's undergoing a facelift, that area is likely the same thickness. So when I remove that strip, I'm setting right to right, you know, the same height. It has been, I've seen this more uh, than I would care to, but a younger individual that wants to have that permanent upper lip that looks bigger and uh, the thicker aspect of the lip is now sutured or stitched to the thinner aspect just under the nose. Some of these are taken up so high that it almost looks like you have a cleft palate. I mean, sorry, a cleft lip. And so what I want you to do, the next time you are considering this procedure, look at the surgeon's work and look really closely underneath uh, the nose to see what that scar looks like. Because um, more often than not, if you look closely enough, you can see it. And it's that pink line that forms. And even if it, it's a nice thin white line, to me, in a younger individual, always looks a little unnatural. And that's only my opinion, Pay. Maybe you can give yours. I completely agree with you. And, and, and I have to tell you, I think that sometimes when, when you're very young, you want to do certain things because you're like, I saw this one person that did it and I want to look like that. Understand that no two people heal the same way. No two outcomes come out the same way. And if you have a really bad widened scar in the middle of your face, wow, I don't care how good your lip looks. Yep. It is a big problem. Mm -hmm. And I have seen, I've seen patients that have sent pictures to Dr. Lakey that want to get these, these lip lift scars fixed. And it's really hard because you have to understand the skin's been already put on a little bit of stretch and a little bit of tension, right? So now you have an area that's already widened. If you cut that out and re-suture it, you're making it even tighter. So the chances of it widening even more are higher. Now you can do laser treatments and microneedling and other types of scar treatments, but it may not do anything. So 
I prefer, again, my opinion. Now, there are some guys that are excellent at this. There's a guy named Ben Talley. He's phenomenal. He's the lip lift guy. And his lip lifts are beautiful. But I guarantee you, even a few of his have a widened scar. And if you're that one patient, you are not happy. So it's something to really consider before you go into a, you know, a invasive procedure that, remember the word, is permanent. These other things we talked about are all not permanent. If you hate it, we can remove it. It goes away over time. You can make your lips bigger if you want, then you can make them smaller if you want. And the one thing I will say, and, 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 and you know, just, just be really careful when you commit to that permanent procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, the one last thing that I didn't say about fillers is, and there's a patient that you've had for years, came in with the thinnest lips I've ever seen in my life. And John started putting a little bit of filler in. This has been like a nine, 10 year thing. Her lips have gradually gotten bigger and the shape has gotten nicer and nicer and nicer. She probably comes in what, every six months or so and you put a tiny little bit of filler in. It is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But she's listened to the guidelines of her doctor, of her practitioner or surgeon, and she's gone with it. And it's really worked out nicely. So that's my recommendation. Yeah, listen, I, <clears throat> again, we preface it by saying we like natural, uh, although we do want to make something look as youthful as possible, there are drawbacks to each of these procedures. I don't know that there's a lot to having the lip plumper, but um, you know, we did say that there are some topicals out there that can help. Botox may be our first go-to just because the lip flip. And if that works, then you, uh, you know, it obviates the need for filler. If it doesn't, we talked about you know fillers as being an easy option. Um, after you do this multiple times, you know the the goal is adding small amounts and slowly building up the lips. Um, no, it doesn't mean that you can't come in and get a, a full syringe in your lips. But if you've got zero lip and you're going to need multiple syringes, the idea is you don't do it all at once. Then moving to fat, if you want something that's a little you know more. Uh, semi-permanent or last a little longer. Usually I do these with facelifts and things like that just to help uh, reclaim some youth in the lips. And then the last resort I would say would be doing an upper lip lift. And again, the true indication is for a filtral column that's going to be longer than 15 millimeters. Um, you know, and that would be, the, again, the very... Uh, I would say even if you go to 18 millimeters, but um, you know the idea is you just want that little bit of incisor show. You just want a little bit of your your teeth showing. Some people come in, and again, you have it lifted up so high that now all you see is teeth, and it looks like you have a cleft lip. It's just uh, you know I think it's it's taken a turn that is um, unnatural, and uh, you know I think now. There is something that we have spoken about in the past. This is on the horizon, and we're one of the offices that have one of the machines. Um, And this is a scarless upper lip lift. So it's a machine that's called Elicor. A company is called Citrellis, and essentially it's tiny little punch biopsies that actually remove skin, and when the holes contract, 
it slowly lifts the skin, the, the lip up. Um, it's been FDA approved for the mid and lower face. I find it to be more youth, uh, useful in the upper lip. Um, now, it's something that you would probably have to undergo three different sessions for, but if there's no scar, it naturally looks uh, uh, shorter. I think that this may be the future of the upper lip lift. So stay tuned um, and we'll keep you posted with that. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about that because if you can do the same results without a scar, wow. Mm-hmm. And I personally think it's also gonna help those little lines, the, the little little perioral rhytids. They're very tough to treat. And anything we can do to kind of help with those is also a big win in, in our field. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you learned something today. Again, the lips are very complex. Uh, you you have to be patient because there are many things that can go wrong. Lips are shaped differently. Don't expect to bring in a picture and have your lips look like someone else's because sometimes it's just not possible. So, um, you know, surgeon or the injector should have uh, a discussion with you, setting expectations. And uh, listen, stay safe. So... And maybe, and maybe soon, down in, this, in the frontier, we may have some technology that can show you what your augmented lip may look like, and then you can decide to do a filler or other things like we do for breast augmentation. Mm-hmm. And it'd be a really cool way for a patient that comes in, take a picture of your lip and be like, hey, how does this look? This is something potentially that I can do for you. And I think that's in the, in, 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 in coming in the, in the future. Definitely. Stay tuned. Uh, Hope you've enjoyed this session and you learned a lot. Once again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. You can listen to us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace. From iHeartRadio, Forever Young is a Cavalry Audio Golden Hippo production. We are produced by Brandon Morgan. Josh Windish does our editing and mixing. Payment and I serve as executive producers along with Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. 